It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. everybody and welcome back to the Halo 7 podcast with your host Dominic Lorenz and as the MLB lockout hits day number 96 as we film this episode it luckily gives us a wonderful opportunity to interview some great Angels farm system talent and today we have a 24 year old right-hander from Atlanta Georgia he went to Auburn University and he was drafted in the seventh round of the 2019 draft and to make matters even better he's currently ranked as the 21st prospect in the Angels farm system according to MLBpipeline.com. So without further ado, live from Arizona, let's bring in Davis Daniel into the Halo 7 podcast. Davis, welcome to the show, and how are you doing today? Thank you. Glad to be here. Uh, feeling good and getting ready to go. Absolutely. Now, with everything going on in Major League Baseball, at least with MLB owners and the Players Union and the lockout in general, as I mentioned, you're in Arizona, you're at minor league camp. What is that feeling like for you right now just to – at least in your mind, have baseball back in your veins. Yeah, it's been good. I mean, obviously, we all want the, the lockout to end because as a minor leaguer, that's obviously the end goal is to end up there. So obviously, we would like that to, you know, get squared away here pretty soon. But, uh, you know, having baseball at all has, has been good. And so happy to be back at it and uh, working hard to get ready for the season. Man, that's good to hear. Now, right now, with no major league players, and it's all minor league players here in spring training, what is your routine like so far on a daily basis? Yeah, I've been going in the morning pretty much every day about 8 a.m. and uh, go in the weight room, get ready for the day, and uh, go out, throw, play catch, run, uh, hop on the bike, work out, uh, just kind of depending on what the day has that day. But, um, you know, we're in a pretty good routine and um, getting things done in the morning, giving us some afternoon downtime. And, um, you know, been watching a lot of college basketball recently, so it's been good. Yeah, it's giving you kind of the best of both worlds right now. Still working, but still having fun now. I know a lot of people have been wondering on Twitter with the differences in spring training this year, has there been any simulated games? Has there been any inner squad games? What has kind of the whole group together have done with, with pitchers and, and position players? Yeah, uh, we've done one week of live ABs. Um, just no fielders, just hitter versus pitcher, um, get those guys tracking pitches again, let us get the visual of a hitter back in there. Um, so that first week went really well. Uh, we'll do that again at the end of this week. And then uh, I think we'll start getting into games here in a couple of weeks. So it's getting here pretty quick. Oh uh, yeah. It's, you know, minor league opening day for some teams is, you know, between April 5th and April 8th, kind of depending on what team and what level you're at. Um, the last thing about spring training that a lot of people were interested in is, what has it been like without having MLB players there to maybe listen in for advice or just kind of pick their brain a little bit? What's it like just minor leaguers instead of kind of the combination of, of both? Yeah. So, uh, you know, this is really my first real minor league spring training and 
2020, we got sent home pretty early. And then last year going to big league camp, uh, you know, so I was able to be around those guys a lot last year and pick a lot of their brains and learn a lot, which was awesome. Um, you know, this year, obviously, it's a little different. Uh, you know, we've got, you know, really good support staff, really good coaching staff that have a lot of experience in this game. So, um, you know, it's kind of been a transition from picking those guys' brains and, and talking to those guys to try and learn a lot. And, um, you know, it's kind of transitioned more into more open conversations with our coaches and pitching coaches and hitting coaches and even, you know, infield coaches, whatever it is, just uh, kind of picking their brains and, and getting their input on things has been uh, good. I think in, in past years, I've, I've leaned more towards talking to the other teammates and <clears throat> other players to try and get that information. So I've formed some pretty good relationship with coaches over spring training so far. And, um, you know, I think that can only benefit me. Absolutely. And being, you know, two years in the Angels organization, being drafted in 2019, and now, you know, we're getting into 2022. We're seeing kind of a different landscape for pitching right now, especially with a lot of the rule changes that are happening. Some news about, you know, bigger bases, uh, robotic umpires potentially. And uh, the big one, I think, over the last 24 to 48 hours was the banning of the shift. So, for some aspects of the new CBA and how it can trickle down to the minor leagues a little bit, what are your opinions on pitch clock, bigger bases and the shift ban? Yeah, I think, you know, the bigger bases, I think, I don't think that makes much of a difference. I think it'll help, you know, keep guys safe. You know, I can think back to when uh, Tim Hudson broke his leg in Atlanta, like, you know, hopefully it'll eliminate some of those freak accidents like that. So I think that one's good. Pitch clock, you know, I, I pitched with it in college and pitched with it in minor leagues last year, and uh, I didn't really see too many um, people affected by it. And, you know, I think going to, you know, 140 whatever minor league games last year, I think I only saw it really called two, maybe three times. So I don't think it'll make that much of a difference either. Um, the shift is obviously the big one. Uh, I, I saw a tweet earlier today that was like, what if the NFL got rid of two safeties because quarterbacks can't throw over them? Um, you know, so it is an interesting thing. I think, you know, obviously they want more offense for the fans and um, things like that. As a pitcher, it's, it's a little frustrating. You know, you're trying to get outs and uh, when the team is in a shift, that's what they think is the best way to get the out there. So, um, you know, we'll see how it all plays out. Um, it's interesting. It's an interesting tactic because, you know, it, it's kind of a newer thing. Five, 10 years ago, people didn't shift like they do now. And, um, so, you know, it'll just kind of revert back to the way it was and, you know, we'll see what kind of impact it has as we go throughout this season. And looking for, for you as a pitcher, look, we'll, we're going to get into your 2021 stats here in a second, but with the shift in mind, are, would you categorize yourself as a pitcher that pitches into the shift or you're just kind of focusing pitcher to batter, you know, you and your battery mate behind the plate? And the defense will do whatever they got to do to support you. Or are you really looking back and saying, okay, I got three, you know, three defenders on the right side. I got to pitch to that. How is your mentality with the shift beforehand? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I like to stick to my original plan against the hitter, no matter what the defense is doing. Um, you know, I definitely like to turn around and see where my guys are at and kind of get a, a general idea. Um, but I try not to let it affect my game plan too much, uh, especially in my situation. I throw in a high four seam a lot. Um, I get a lot more fly balls and ground balls. So um, as far as, you know, the shortstop being shifted way over for me, that's more of a me checking to get my mental cue on like where I need to be. If the ball's put in play here, you know, what bases do I need to be backing up? 
you know, how, you know, if the ball's hit here, how far do I need to be able to get over to first base? Um, things like that. So I don't really change the way I pitch to the hitter. The approach will stay the same as the scouting court was before the game, no matter uh, where those guys end up. And looking at 2021, you had a very interesting and productive season, I would say the least. If, if fans just kind of looked at your – just go on minor league baseball and just look at your stats, it's, it's really intriguing because – even though you had a record of four seven and a 3.92 ERA, you pitched in 23 games, you stayed relatively healthy, but it's the innings and your strikeouts that really popped out to me the most 114 and two thirds innings, 154 strikeouts and only 34 walks and opponents were only batting 236 against you. And to really even putting it into a better scope, you pitched at three different levels in the angels organization, high, a tri city, double a rocket city, and then triple a salt lake. What did each level of the Angels farm system present to you that was different? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, going to high end, going to Tri-City was a good spot for me to start. Uh, throwing my first time after coming off surgery in a real game and, uh, you know, just kind of being in that atmosphere of like, you know, a, a real game and not just live ABs. It, it changes a lot of things. And uh, so I was pretty amped up for the start of the year and, um, you know, I think you can go back and look. I think I walked like eight guys in my first two starts. I was a little all over the place. So I think it was good for me to start there and kind of kind of hone in my stuff and kind of get on a roll at the beginning of the season and then, um, you know, really start to feel more comfortable in that game situation. Um, and then obviously once I got comfortable in the game and, um, you know, started to make more adjustments in my pitching, uh, I made the jump to double A and <clears throat> working with Andrew, I mean, uh, Wirtz and uh, the pitching coach in double-A uh, really made a big improvement on my slider throughout the year. Um, and I think that was the biggest separator for me in double-A. I went from, you know, I, I still was pretty fastball dominant in double-A, but um, kind of having a, a really good secondary pitch that I could rely on that was there every single game uh, was a big difference maker for me once I got there. And then uh, going up to triple-A, obviously it was a different level. I had a couple pretty bad outings when I first got up there. Uh, you know, but I feel like I was able to make the adjustments and ended on a pretty good uh, note in Tacoma. So, um, you know, it was a great experience up there, you know, learning from that failure and figuring out, you know, you know, a lot of those guys in those lineups are big league hitters and um, learning the adjustments that you need to make, whether it's before the game, during the game, um, to get those guys out because those are some pretty, pretty good hitters. And just looking at your stat line, heavy strikeouts, you know, like you just said, you're a very fastball, four-seamer, uh, straight down the gut in that sense. So 154 strikeouts, only 34 walks. It's a great split. You had five 10 plus strikeout performances throughout all of last season. And you also kind of flirted with a no hitter a little bit as well. So in your arsenal of pitches and just you as a pitcher in your career, what has attributed to your high strikeout totals in your mind? Yeah, I think, you know, I got a really good fastball. It's not, it's not, 95 plus but it sits low 90s and I get you know a lot of ride on it so I'm able to get a lot of swing and miss at the top of the zone uh, I think that's you know key number one is being able to locate that at the top um, key number two is really once I moved on to double a and got that slider more consistent it gave me a pitch that I could throw in any count uh, you know it, the biggest separator for me once I got to that level and got in a groove was you know whether I was 1-0 1-1 2-0 Oh, oh, it didn't matter what the count was. I was able to go to that slider and uh, the curveball ended up coming along more later in the year. Um, so kind of having the other pitches to keep guys off fastballs and fastball counts. Um, 
and then just being able to put them away with the fastball or slider really, uh, you know, elevated those numbers for me. It's it's really interesting to see, especially when pitchers, you know, for you being just 24 years old and you're sitting there and you're you're still evolving your pitch arsenal. You know, some pitchers at that point might say, you know what, I got my fastball. I got maybe one secondary pitch. I'm good to go. I, I'll just kind of thrive off that. But you're willing to evolve your game around and continue adding those secondary pitches to make yourself even even better and more effective. But looking at your history, you know, 2019, and we'll get to this in a little bit, your, your college career a little bit, you had Tommy John surgery, and then you get drafted, and then, whoops, we have a COVID-19 pandemic in 2020, scratch that season out. So 2021, pretty much your first real legitimate season in the Angels organization. After the whole 2020 fiasco, did you do anything different last season than maybe you did in previous years, high school or college, to make up for missed time to maybe get stronger or develop faster? Or did you just let the nature course kind of take its time? Yeah, so for me, um, you know, coming off surgery in 2019, uh, going into the 2020 season, I was probably going to end up missing about the first month of the season to finish my rehab. Um, so obviously nobody wanted the entire season to get canceled. When we first got sent home, uh, and originally we were told it was going to be, you know, two weeks to a month. So when we first went home, that was kind of like the, my catch-up point. It gave me a point to catch up to everybody else in my class, get completely healthy, get ready to go into the season. Um, so that, that first part of us being home the first month or two was, was really just focusing on my health and getting fully healthy, doing all my arm care, making sure I'm ready to go out and pitch a full season. Um, Obviously, that never came, and so once we got to the point where we were pretty sure we weren't going to be playing, uh, for me, it was just continuing to develop my arsenal, getting more comfortable on the mound, having been, you know, I hadn't spent all that much time on a mound in over a year, so I'm um, just kind of getting back comfortable with all my pitches. Um, I actually didn't throw a slider in college. I messed around with it for a little while. Um, I threw it a couple games in college, but never really had a great feel for it, so I knew going into 2021, if I wanted to be a starter in pro ball, that I really wanted to show up with four pitches. Um, so I took a lot of time that season uh, spending it with a lot of really good pitchers around Auburn and uh, good coaching and really did my my best to develop a slider. Uh, still wasn't a very good pitch, but I had pretty decent command of it. Um, but, I mean, it was a pretty average off speed until I got to double A and got to work on it a lot with Wirtz. Um, and then, again, that was kind of a main focus for me this offseason, uh, working with a teammate now, Sean McLaughlin, uh, who's, you know, a really smart guy and does a really good slider and taught me some good things about a slider to go into this year. So, you know, originally it was um, an okay pitch that I could command and then it turned into a little better pitch. Uh, but now that I've gained some feel for that slider and taken it into this year, hopefully it'll be a, a good a plus pitch for me. And for those who are either listening to this podcast or watching it here on YouTube, um, another prime example of, a player in the angel system or just an athlete in general evolving. So anybody watching or listening, the youth of baseball right now, listen to Davis, see what he's doing right now. He's evolving and creating better opportunities for himself moving forward. And now to backtrack a little bit, let's talk about your college career a little bit. Auburn University, big school over there on the East Coast. And funny thing I read about you was you were actually – originally selected in the 11th round in 2018 by the Milwaukee Brewers, but decided to return to Auburn. Um, 
true or false, if that's true, what did you love about Auburn and their college program that made you want to stay for another year? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah. Um, so two, two things. One, out of high school, uh, I just obviously turned down the draft and went to school as well. And uh, for me at that point in my life, I mean, as an 18-year-old kid, and, um, you know, it, it would have taken a lot of money to take, take me away from Auburn. I was fully committed, wanted to play in the SEC. Um, I also had a pretty good idea that I was going to get to throw on the weekend as a freshman. So, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the worry about going to college is will you pitch? Whereas in pro ball, you know, you're going to pitch every week, no matter how you're throwing and you're going to develop. Um, so I knew I was going to get that opportunity at Auburn. So I made that decision pretty easy for me. Um, and then after my sophomore year, it was kind of one of those years that I was up and down, struggled, uh, made a big adjustment halfway through the year and uh, the stuff really elevated and I pitched really well the back half of the year. Um, so when I got drafted, uh, it was obviously outside of the top 10 rounds. Um, and then we thought there might be an opportunity to get enough money to sign. Uh, obviously that didn't work out. Went back to school, but you know, I wouldn't change any of that obviously. And even though the injury ended up coming and all of that, but it all worked out for the best and, you know, put me in an organization that I feel like I can have some success. And speaking of the injury, um, 2019 Tommy John surgery after you elected not to go to the Milwaukee Brewers in the draft. We all know what sort of goes into the rehab process of a Tommy John surgery. It's become more of a popular surgery for pitchers over, I would say, over the last decade or so. With that put aside for a second, going through that rehab process, how did the Angels or other teams that were looking at you during the draft process? Um, approach you with that while having Tommy John surgery was there any differences if you were healthy or not or is it just kind of the same experience in your mind uh it was definitely a little different I definitely had a little less uh um, leverage on my end I guess you would say um also being my junior year and not I mean you have the option to go back but nobody want you know you don't get paid after your senior year of college so the leverage was kind of gone it was more of a you know, find the best situation for me kind of deal. It was, you know, talking to multiple teams and figuring out um, which, which organization was going to put me in the best spot to succeed and climb the ladder and, you know, reach the ultimate goal of playing in the big leagues. And the Angels, of course, were this, you know, the slot that worked out perfectly for you. And look at you now playing in three different levels in your first year of pro ball and working in spring training. It all, it's a full circle moment in a sense now, for fans out there that love Auburn, or even if you don't love Auburn, this is just a, an easy kind of sort of fastball question for you. 
what I was going to save this for our last segment, the rapid fire section, but it, it, it seems so perfect right now, especially when talking about college. What makes Auburn versus Alabama, the Iron Bowl in college football, so special? I don't know if you went to any of those games, but oh, the, the rivalry between those two schools, what makes that special? And in, in the state of Alabama, you have no pro sports. You are, you are one or the other, and you will die on it. You know, it's, <laughs> you got to pick, and whatever you pick, you got to stick with. Um, you know, obviously, Alabama's had a pretty good run at it the last few years, so that's been kind of frustrating. But, uh, you know, it's, it's the coolest experience ever, and knowing that, you know, every Iron Bowl, no matter how bad of a season we've had or how great of a season they've had or whatever, like you always know it's going to be a good game, especially when it's played in Auburn. And, um, man, that stadium is so fun on that game. I'll never forget those games. Yeah, someone like me who's from Southern California, it's like I'm a USC fan, so – we know rivalries, but I don't think that a rivalry like no. USC, UCLA could even top an Auburn, <laughs> Alabama Iron Bowl in the fall. It's just, it's, it's no unbeatable, way. unbeatable. Yeah. Now looking forward a little bit after looking at, looking back at college a little bit, let's look forward to 2022 spring trainings right now um, for you point blank. What would constitute a successful 2022 season in your mind? Um two things. One would be staying healthy. I think, uh, you know, in, in the game of baseball with the 162 games in a long season, there are so many opportunities in this game if you can stay healthy over a whole season. Uh, so I think, you know, that's obviously goal number one. And then goal number two would go out there and continue to build off the things I learned. I had some struggles in AAA, uh, but I did learn a lot. And uh, a lot of things that I took in the offseason that uh, I made some changes and tweaks to that I'm excited to take into this year. And um, you know, I, I'd, I just would like to, to know that I made those adjustments and um, see some results based on them. Now, we know with, you know, the MLB lockout, there's certain things that can't be done within organizations. But have you had the chance either this offseason or maybe sometime last year, have you spoken to anybody on the coaching staff or the Angels or front office brass about your development or where you can be or where you will go in 2022? Has there been any conversations about that thus far or is it just business as usual? Yeah, pretty much just business as usual. I mean, you know, there's, there's always the, you know, if you perform well, you have a chance to go here or there. And, um, but for the most part, it's just business as usual and uh, head down, do my stuff. And, you know, God will put me in the situation that I'm supposed to be in. And I mentioned this at the top of the show, you're currently rated as the 21st prospect in the Angels farm system, according to MLBpipeline.com. So for you, you're in that top 30 prospect list. Is there any pressure you put on yourself of being on that list? Is there any expectations or is it cool? That's, that's cool that people think of me that way. I'm just going to keep going out and, and proving people why I'm the 21st or just how does that affect you in, in any way, positive or negative, or even both? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really let it affect me. I think, you know, it's, it's an honor, and I, I you know, it's, it feels good, I guess, to be told that. But uh, end of the day, like, the people, you know, those people work really hard that, that write those articles and do those things and have all the respect for their job and what they do. But at the end of the day, like, they're not the ones making the decision on where I end up. Um, so I, I try not to read into any of that too much and just kind of stay focused and do my thing and uh, let the people that do make those decisions tell me, tell me where I'm supposed to be. 
man, level-headedness. I can already tell that's a, that's a key component for you and what, you know, how you found success so, so early in your career. So I, I love that hearing that from you. Um, before we get into the final segment, our little rapid fire finale, a little couple of questions that are fun for you. A lot of people wanted to know on social media, we, we talked about this last time in our last podcast with a uh, pitcher, Kenny Rosenberg. Um, when MLB players reunite with you guys in, in spring training, if it's hopefully this year, or hopefully. maybe, maybe in the future, or if you get the call up or however it works out for you. Is there any current pitcher on the Angels 40-man roster that you would love to sit down, have a conversation with, pick their brain, and just absorb as much as you can from them? Um, man, I, you know, last year being at Big League Camp, uh, Mike Myers and Ty Buttry, and those guys really helped me a lot. Um, you know, just being around them, playing catch with uh, Mike Myers every day, and sitting in the bullpen with them every game. And I, I learned a lot from those guys. Um, they helped me a lot. And I took a lot of things that I learned from them into this season and had success with it. Um, you know, so, and, and, you know, most people that you ask that question to, those probably aren't the first ones that come up either. So, which I think is really cool that, you know, no matter who you think of or who you ask, like they all have been there, they've all done that. They're all playing this game at the highest level. Um, and they all have, you know, incredible information and um, they're all willing to help. Um, you know, there was never one time that I asked anybody last year, you know, anything that they weren't willing to help me out or weren't willing to answer. So, uh, you know, I, I soak it all up and ask all the questions I can, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I have anybody specific, but, um, you know, just being around those guys is a uh, great experience and some people that I would love to learn more from. Absolutely. And I think, you know, as everybody says in any team sport, you know, one team, one goal. So no matter how, how you guys get there at the top of the mountain at the end of the day, as long as you guys are doing it together. And that's, that's the main point to find success. So, you know, in regards to spring training in 2022, of course, you know, best of luck to you health be on your side, you know, that's what we want. So keep developing your game and, and keep that strong. So as we get to the last segment of the podcast here on the Halo seven podcast, it's the rapid fire finale couple fun questions for you. Get your personality out there. Let the fans know, you know, what Davis Daniel is all about. And I already kind of asked you what the Iron Bowl means to you. So we'll cross that one off the list. Uh, so right now, if opening day is in this moment right now, what is your walkout music? What's that song that gets you hyped for the game? Thunderstruck. <laughs> yes. Uh... When I was my freshman year of college, I had picked some rap song and my mom told me it was terrible. And <laughs> she kept telling me that I needed to do Thunderstruck. And I was like, mom, that's so basic, you know, whatever. And then uh, I had a pretty rough start to my freshman year. And then we went on the road to Georgia. Uh, so on the road, you obviously don't get to choose what song. And uh, they just happened to be playing Thunderstruck, the one that my mom told me. And I went out and threw like five or six scoreless and I walked out of the stadium and my mom was like, I told you. And so it's been that ever since. So basically you're never going to live that one down. Mom's always never. right at that point. Always, <laughs> always. All right. So points for mom. So question number two, um, looking at MLB as a whole right now, all teams, all players, current rosters, is there someone deep in your soul or in your gut you would just for, for, for kicks that you would love to strike out once you make it to the big leagues? Man, uh, 
I don't know, man. Freddie Freeman. I've you know been watching him in Atlanta since I was a kid. Uh, just seeing those guys go out and compete since I was young and being a Braves fan. I think it, being a Braves fan growing up, I think it would be awesome to get to face him. Now, this could be a little sub-question to Freddie Freeman right now. And hopefully, you know, Angel fans listening, don't take anything away from Davis Daniel at this point. But the child inside of you, were you excited as the Braves won the World Series and beat the Astros? The, the kid inside of you. Yeah, I mean, somewhere in there I was excited. Uh, <laughs> you know, being, being an Atlanta sports fan growing up, it's tough. With, you know, we didn't have much success in my lifetime. So <laughs> uh, I think that was the first Atlanta championship since I've been alive. So uh, there was definitely somewhere deep in there I was, I was happy. There you go. You know, you got to take the positive with, with some things when you're an Atlanta sports fan right there. <laughs> yes. <exactly. laughs> All righty. Uh, give me your dream vacation spot. Where is that dream vacation you always want to go to? I've never been to Europe. I want to go and just explore all of Europe. I've never been, always wanted to, always been told how awesome it is. So that's definitely where I would go. Okay. I think fans, uh, Davis Daniel has become my number one fan because Europe is on the list too. So Davis, you know, let's, let's backpack and see what we can find out there in Europe. Let's do, it. Um, do you have any secret talents that most people probably wouldn't know if they saw you for the first time? Uh, I can juggle on a unicycle. Okay. Now I would say this would be a perfect opportunity to, you know, do it for us, but I know you're probably <laughs> not, you're not as prepared as, you know, maybe yeah. all of us are. So maybe I, I don't travel to spring training with my <laughs> unicycle. That would have been quite the entrance if just first day of spring training, just coming on in and that would be making your presence known very quickly in the yeah. organization. But yeah. Is, is now a sidebar question. Is there any footage of that we can find anywhere on the internet? <laughs> I, I doubt it. No. Uh, you know, honestly, I don't even, I haven't ridden my unicycle in probably five, six years. So I say that I'm not really sure if I could still do it, but I could it, at one point. <laughs> it has, it has happened in the past at some yes. point. So, so yes. for now we'll, we'll, we'll take your word for it. And so yeah, there you go. maybe if we set a bet here, if uh, you know, whenever the MLB debut happens, um maybe right train that unicycle a little bit just Perfect. just just to get from the parking lot to the clubhouse just just yeah, at least 15 that's seconds that's all you yeah. need maybe that maybe that and the combination of thunderstruck will just be that's the magic yeah. combo that any pitcher needs nowadays need <laughs> all righty last question to wrap things up here on the podcast it's a three in one question it's the island questions everybody loves them so three parts part number one favorite food or meal that you would take on the island with you uh, steak and mashed potatoes there's a little steak store that you can buy them you know and cook them at home right next to my house called pepper tree best steak seasoning in the world i'll take a pepper tree steak and a twice baked potato oh perfect and how do, and how do you cook the steak medium medium okay i could take i'm medium rare but medium is just as good um favorite movie you're bringing on the island with you favorite movie man uh glory road all right glory road it is and last but not least one person dead or alive it doesn't matter who it is for conversations for fun to be on that island and again the island is either desert or tropical however you like it but what person are you bringing with you uh definitely my fiance all right what's her name meg walker she's the best so shout out to her all right meg walker for the win right now so 
Davis Daniel doing everything he can, and he's gotten some major bonus points today. Europe, <laughs> bringing up the fiance. It's been a good day for you. Spring training is live and happening. Can, you know, in a weird way, can life get much better right now for you as a baseball player? Not yet. Maybe if this lockout will end. <laughs> lockout ends and add the MLB debut. I think you have the, the trifecta right there. But yeah, fans, there you go. <laughs> but fans, you know, here on the Hamlet 7 podcast, Davis Daniel joining us today. It's been wonderful to talk to him about just the 2021 season, his background of pitching, his college career, and, and what to expect from him in 2022. And as always, you know, best of luck to you here in spring training. Let health be on your side. What's the best ability? Availability. So we wish you the best of luck in 2022. And please do not be a stranger here on the show. Come on back uh, whenever you want to chat baseball with us. Yep. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. Of course. And until next time, Angel fans, this is the Halo 7 Podcast.